It is not the broken heart that kills, but the broken pride. Gilbert Parker. Bending, Not Breaking, Episode 4, The Warriors of Kiyoshi. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Bending, Not Breaking, Episode 4, The Warriors of Kiyoshi. And we're going to look at this through the lens of pride. pride. I am Alex or Sunshine Mayfield, whichever one you prefer, and I'm with my co-host, Ben Pruitt. And we are excited to be back for another time here because the Arc of E Network is letting us do this podcast for them and for you, and we're excited about that. So we're here at White Oak Studios in Durham, North Carolina, and we're going to be going through this episode and talking about it from a sense of pride and what that means. Because I feel like a lot of times you get, there's two, two terms when you hear pride being talked about, I feel like. You get the, I'm proud of this, I should be proud of this, have pride in yourself and what you're doing. And then you have the negative connotation of pride, of like being proudful, being filled with pride to the point of not thinking you're better than other people. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's interesting to hear different people talk about pride because I think, depending on the context, people have very different views of the word based off of their life experience. But we're going to try to encapsulate a little bit of it all as we go through here because we will get moments where they're proud and they should be proud and the meaning behind things and why that creates pride in oneself and then we also get moments of being too proud um having yeah. a head too big for yourselves yeah pride cometh before the fall that's right and so we are jumping right in and we will start to where we come across zuko on his ship meditating Uncle Iroh comes in and says, I've got some bad news. And Zuko says, There's pride in being a great leader who maintains his self-control. That's right. And then Iroh says, Well, that's good to hear because we can't find the Avatar. What? And Zuko loses it. Um, and and they find out that, you know, he must be a, he must be a master of evasion. Um, and so that's a little quick that launches us into then following up with our heroes who are on top of Appa and they clearly lost. They're lost. He says they're somewhere near, you know, where they're going is somewhere near water, but they're all they can see is water. But finally, they get to the island of Kiyoshi. Um, but they don't know it's the island of Kiyoshi, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. And well, I mean, before we get to Kiyoshi, though, I think that we hear Sokka make some interesting comments around some ginger normativity. That's right. And so I think that my analysis here was that the, the pride of being male leads to putting Katara down for sewing. Well, that's right. Well, it needed, it's, it's like he didn't even pitch it in a bad way. He's just like, you're just better at sewing. That's a female thing. You're just better at that stuff, and I'm better at the, the warrior stuff. Which is an interesting foreshadowing to what's about to happen later on the episode. Mm -hmm. We also get this moment where Aang is trying to show Katara a trick with airbending and marbles, and he's like, ta-da! And she's focused on sewing because she's got some things to do, and she, she, you know, she's not trying to be mean. She's just focused on what she's doing. And 
Aang's proud of what he's doing, but is not getting the reception that he yeah, wants. Yeah, he's making a bid for attention, and she is not taking him up not on it. Not taking him up on it. And then she's sewing. But at this moment after, you know, Sokka makes his gender-normative comments, she says, oh, great, look how good at sewing I am, and just chucks the pants back at him. Um, which is interesting. So, like, you get this moment with her in, as she's sewing where she clearly cares about the work she's doing. She wants to do well. She's taking pride in, in the work she's doing. And the moment he makes a comment, she's like, all right, well, cool. I don't care about being proud about these anything anymore. Like, take well, them back. It's specifically around what does that have to do with me being a girl? Right. Right? And so I think that as soon as her success was going to perpetuate Sokka's belief around girls being not as good warriors but better yeah. at sewing and, and housekeeping then she I think she wasn't willing to perpetuate that yep. exactly and so she's and there's you know she knows that she's got a lot to be proud of and has nothing to necessarily do with what gender she is but she throws the pants back at him and yeah. then we get a landing oh, I think it's also interesting to talk about like, do you think that Aang took a hit to his pride when she didn't make that bid? Like, didn't take him up on, you know, fluffing yeah. up his pride there in, in that moment? Absolutely. I think there was a little bit of that. I don't think it's a big one, but I do think it's like... Yeah, but you know, is that a precursor yeah. that what leads him to act the way he does throughout this episode? Absolutely. Because what we do is, you know, once we finally get to Kiyoshi, you'll see how he interacts with the villagers and... I think that definitely stems from the reaction he gets because he does the same Marvel trick later like, in the episode. He, he wants that attention mm -hmm. from Katara. He doesn't get he it. He gets it from those other people. And mm -hmm. so that almost like... it's. I think that what that is is he is receiving an attention and that's like, uh, like almost not exactly what he's looking for. He really wants it from Katara. Right. Right? And we see him coming back to Katara throughout the episode, trying to get it from her. And he is continuously going to these guys and these this gaggle of groupies to get them to fulfill this need that he has that they can't fill. Yep. Ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll, so we'll see that as we go further on in the episode. They go. He starts to go windsurf on Elephant Koi. That's essentially what they're doing. Katara, you've got to watch this. You got to watch this. And she's she's in it. She's watching. But As he's windsurfing, Appa starts to eat something off screen. Guitar runs to go help. And that's the moment and, Aang chooses to look back. At, yeah, Aang sees her leaving and not caring. And so that's a, that is another, to him, another bid for attention. He was not being very generous in his assumption with why she had to go over there. And that took a hit to, to himself a little bit at, at that moment. And then he almost gets eaten. By a giant... Uh, we don't know what it is yet. It's just got... It's, it's got spiny fins... Um, black dragon, well, black worm. dragon esque thing, but we only see the like the dorsal fin on this sucker um, at this moment after it ate three elephant koi, um, yikes, which were massive fish. Um, so we don't know what that is, but it's definitely foreshadowing. And like, I wonder if we're gonna go back to that later to this episode. Hmm. And they do. Um, so they get out of the water and gets out of the water, and they immediately get ambushed by warriors. And at this moment, um, the the tribe captures our heroes. Sokka makes some comment of, of being in disbelief about, hey, where are the men that, that captured us? And they were like, 
um, we were the women who captured you. And he's like, no, there's there's no way. At this point, this normative behavior from him is almost gets him killed because that's immediately when um, Suki, uh, one of the warriors, turns to Sokka and says like, oh, looks like the Unagi is going to eat well tonight to the point to where Katara's got to come in and say, oh, hey, um, he's kind of a kind of an idiot, so if you could just forgive him for those comments, I have to put him up, up with them as well. And then, um, then Aang has to prove that he's the airbender. In this moment, he proves that he's the airbender, does his little marble trick again to the crowd's delight, um, and, and proves that he's the avatar. And this is Kiyoshi, where not the previous avatar, but the avatar before mm, i think longer than that she was 400 years ago okay so many avatars many avatars before um was from that island and so there's a lot of pride in and having the avatar yeah, there. well and i think it's interesting because names matter right and so this island is named after ang right ang is the reincarnation of kiyoshi mm-hmm. like so essentially kiyoshi by honoring her you are honoring Aang. Correct. And you are honoring the status of Avatar. Mm-hmm. And so... And Aang has returned to this island. Yeah, right? And you see this one guy, when he finds out that Aang's the Avatar, start foaming at the mouth. Like, he's like, oh my god! And then he foams at the mouth and collapses because he's so ecstatic at seeing this Avatar guy. And so it's interesting to me that like everything that they have, like they're, they're the warriors of Kiyoshi. It's Kiyoshi Island. They have a giant statue to Kiyoshi. There's a lot of Ride in having someone be from that island. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And so we get this moment where it cuts to Zuko after all this goes down because you get past the lawn where one of the girls goes to the fisherman and says, Oh, the Avatar's in Kiyoshi. And the fisherman goes to the market and says, The Avatar's in Kiyoshi. And the guy who buys the fish at the market takes it to Zuko and says, Oh, the Avatar's in Kiyoshi. And when she gets it, Zuko goes, you know, the Avatar's in Kiyoshi. <laughs> we have to go. And are you going to eat that? No, you're going to eat that fish, and I'm saving it for later. No. And then Uncle Iroh and and Zuko are on their way. This is the first one of the first episodes where we don't get a lot of Zuko. Like that's about yeah, the extent of it to, towards the end. Um, everything prior to that, Zuko's is is arguably at this point in the series just as much of a main character as. Katara and Sokka, yeah, and and getting equal-ish amount of screen time. This is the first episode that's really focused on what's happening with Aang and our heroes in Kyoshi. But we we get a little bit of Zuko there, and, and we'll get a little bit of him later at the end. And then we cut to breakfast, and in Kyoshi, like what a smorgasbord of a meal. Like, yeah, they're is... they're getting it all, and so you get to see like they are cleaning up the statue out the window. Yep. They're making this town look good. Um, there's this renewed sense of pride so part of me is the question when I'm looking at at it through the lens of pride is what role does hope optimism um, what role does that play in the the pride that we take in ourselves and the way that we show up and then also why does that matter well I think this goes back to something that you talk about before where the the broken window effect Mm -hmm. right so to put that for everybody else it's you know if a, if a home has a broken window, most of the time somebody would, would fix it. But if that window continues to get broken and broken and broken, you start to, quote, lose hope 
in the fact that like what's the point right right there's no optimism what's the point in continuing to fix this window and then the rest of the house becomes dilapidated because you start to not fix other things and people start to break other things because so, the window's broken so there's a loss of pride mm -hmm. through this loss of hope and optimism right. so i totally like that that came to mind when you said that so that's really interesting yeah because for them it's all right the avatar's here we've got something to be proud of the avatar's back there's hope in that and so we get to celebrate this and we're gonna and we're gonna show up well because of it um and I also wonder how that, like, you know, we talk about not judging people based off the way they look. We talk about not wanting to, to make assumptions on people based on the, on the way that they necessarily show up in first impressions. So why does it matter to have pride in those types of things? And we see that later, too, um, when we talk to and meet the warriors while they're in training. There's a lot of pride in the, in the outfits that they wear and the garbs that they wear. So why is it important to show up that way and have that pride? And sometimes it's just to be proud and have that and again it kind of it's a cycle of hope optimism pride the way we show up is going to lead to better things in the future um it's almost like an upward spiral i feel like yeah i mean i wonder if that pride makes them it, it is facilitating them doing better mm -hmm. and so what's happening is their town is cleaner because of this they're like they are all their lives and their quality of life has gone up because of their sense of pride mm -hmm. right they've had to work for it they've had to put in the work to build and optimize this town while avatar ang is here but i think that ultimately their quality of life will be at least a little bit better because, because of, it. of the taking the pride that they have in these things so they get to breakfast we see all the stuff going on in the background we see them making their their city better their village better and Sokka's still pouting because he's upset that he got beat by, he got a girl. by a girl. And so let's talk about his pride and, and, and call, his, call it wounded pride. His or, wounded pride. Um, but, you know, he's really taking this, but you know, it, it kind of goes back to shame. Like, you know, he, he expects that he's supposed to be this strong warrior, and he's got this gender norm in his head that, like, girls can't be strong warriors. And so if I was defeated by girls, then that means I'm not a strong warrior. And so his pride is hurting right now. Yeah, and that's just as I've grown up, I've I've wanted that. I just have believed that to be those. Oh, that's not a thing anymore. And it so is. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's one of those things where like my awareness and my growth is not how the rest of our country has come. <laughs> like I have made a lot of I what I hope is strides towards more equitable thought. Mm -hmm. Right. However, I have falsely believe that everyone else has been walking with me on this journey mm -hmm. and it's moments like these where i'm like are really are, do, is, do people still think this way well it's interesting too because you always hear about people who are like um oh i'm colorblind i don't see race or i'm like i don't see different genders i just see yeah. people and though i think the ideal is is in the right spot of like mm -hmm. wanting to make sure like we want to live in a world where those constructs and obstacles don't exist um, and that there's not a difference uh, in what you face because of being a woman or a man, it is doing a huge discredit and disservice if we are not acknowledging the obstacles that are there because of it, because we can't fix it if we don't see it. And mm. so you have to see it and experience it. And so to acknowledge that it, well, there's still a pay gap, to acknowledge that there is a difference. Well, and just because it doesn't treated, affect you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because you have the privilege of not having to deal with it 
does not mean that other people have that same privilege. Right. And so we get this with Sokka where he is living into this gender norm and it is making him a punk. Like, it, he, is a, he is being a worse person. Yeah, he's moping and kicking because things. Of, like, because of this. Yeah. Um, and so he's going to try to deal with this and then he leaves and we get this conversation with Aang and Katara about don't let it go to your head don't let this go to your head like these people do love you but like we've got a mission and he just says well, I'm a simple monk you know I don't need a lot and then we get a long montage of like these gaggles of girls gaggles of girls chasing well, him and I think it's really interesting because I, I think about like the story Aang's telling himself is that I'm a simple monk Right. This won't affect me. I'll be good. Clearly affecting him. Well, he clearly likes the attention, too, because he right? did, he was searching for it from Katara, didn't get it, got it from the villagers, and is loving it. So how often does the story we tell ourselves excuse or allow us to behave in ways that don't align with our values? Well, how often do we justify Like, how often do we justify that, right? Yeah. Like, that's what you're asking. Like, oh, based off of your actions, Ben... Me, Sunshine, gets to act this way, and I am justified in doing it. Yeah. When that's just not the case. Like, that's it, values are not dependent on other people's behaviors. Mm. But, you know, but Aang starts to, he he's liking the way that he's feeling, and he's not being an overall jerk, but it is, it's starting to affect the way that he's talking I, to Katara. I would say, well, it's affecting the way he's talking to Sokka, too, and we'll see that in just a second. Yeah, and so, as of right now, it hasn't gotten to his head. As yeah. of the montage goes, it still hasn't gotten to his head, but he does admit, he goes, hey, I like being here. I like what's going on. I don't want to leave just yet. We well, get... we get to this painter guy, right? And so, mm -hmm. I think that it's really interesting because Aang starts out with just him and one other person. And then I was like, okay, starts painting, and then he like lifts the painting back up, and then I was like, three people, and then he goes away, and then there's like ten people, and then the painter's like, nope, and I'm just done. walks away. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> done painting. And so eventually, like, I I wonder if his pride makes him leave in that moment because they aren't taking it seriously. Yeah, and so he he takes so much pride in what he's doing yeah but they're not respecting that yeah and so he's he's setting a boundary and saying exactly i'm done with this exactly um which is honestly you know might be great for his mental health like it's good to set boundaries and at a certain point if people if you've got to be able to sit there and say if people aren't respecting my time mm -hmm. and what i'm doing then maybe it's not best for me to be here right well now. and i wonder if that's the answer to your question is at the beginning you were talking about like when when is this pride like i'm proud and i'm like this is a good thing versus the pride comes before the fall side mm -hmm. and i wonder if boundaries is what separates the two right so personal boundaries on yourself of like if i'm acting outside of these boundaries i'm acting in the negative sense of pride yeah and you know and i think the painter illustrates that really well by saying i i'm willing to do this until this point and then that's where we're done and that's where i'm living outside of my values yeah and that's what's happening we also you know the big question is why does pride keep us from are we when we are proud and that proud the way Aang is um we see him start to shift his behavior and it's not the Aang that we know yeah and it's not what I would even call I can't speak to Aang's authentic self that is his character's you know what he knows to be true as an outsider watching that I can't make that decision for him but it seems like he's living outside of his authentic self when the pride has swelled up to the point that it has. Yeah. Like he should, there should be pride in being the Avatar, and there's a lot of responsibility there. But now it's coming as this like celebrity thing. Well, and I and I wonder, 
how do we attach pride to ego, right? And so I think like his ego is swelling, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that like, I wonder, to me, ego seems like that's what's swelling be- because he's, you know, get receiving this attention. And I wonder, like, I don't think those are synonymous, ego and pride. I think that they can be interchanged, mm-hmm. but I think that if we think about them differently, it kind of changes the game a little bit. And then that brings up the question to me, how often do we put those together thinking it's the same thing? Exactly. But Aang's ego is swelling because of his lack of pride in, in himself. And, and, and in the Avatar and what that symbolizes. Because he knows that he that he ran away from yeah. everything that went down at the beginning. He knows that he hasn't really done anything at this point that's you know noteworthy when it comes to becoming the Avatar. Um, and so is it a lack of pride in himself that allows the ego to swell up versus Uncle Iroh is a great example from last episode of someone who's so easily allowing things to not bother him and, and flow off of him because he has built up such self-confidence and pride in himself mm-hmm. that his ego rarely shows. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder how that kind of plays in, but that's interesting that that gets brought up that way. So we finally get to a point where... Um, Sokka is going to the Warriors Dojo training center um, to to really prove him. He's doing this so he can prove himself that he's actually stronger and that it was just a fluke. And so he starts talking down to the Warriors. Oh, is this where y'all are doing dance practice? I was just trying to work up a little bit of a sweat. I'm the best warrior in my village and oh you're the best warrior in your village huh well why don't you teach us a lesson that's right and then he's made to look a fool and well i think it's interesting that how much they pander to his pride Mm -hmm. right yeah right they are they totally like oh you're so right why don't you show us yes right and as an audience viewer we're like "Mm, this isn't gonna go well but like sokka's like okay we'll do that I wonder, and I can't speak for for you know being a female in America, but that's I wonder how often that has to be done. My God, I oh I hope I just and uh, I bet you it's been done to me, and, uh, and, I, I, and I pulled a soccer and uh, didn't even know it. <laughs> I <laughs> hope not. Like, oh. I'm sure that's true, but God, I hope not. But you know, I think that's a reality we live in is that there is a a gap in the way that we treat each other and so how often are we told like oh you've got to pander to the needs of the male in the room um to not hurt him or to not look his ego but they did not grow up in that society and so they're like oh yeah show us what you know and then they beat the crap out of him yeah um and he is now even more wounded in that process and so he uh he gets beat again and then after all that goes down we uh, we get a cut to a conversation where Katara and Aang are talking. Katara's clearly frustrated, and Aang is there, and he's, I don't want to leave yet. I'm loving all this stuff going down. She's shopping. Why don't you help me shop and carry all this stuff? And he says, oh, I got things to do. But then it eventually gets to a point where he says, like, you know what? I just, uh, I think you're jealous. I think you're jealous of all the attention I'm getting. And Katara doesn't like that at all. Well, I, so what I took notes on here was, I, I wonder if his pride won't let him see that he's projecting in this moment. Like, is he projecting? Like, is he the one who's jealous? He's right jealous now? of the attention. And I, I truly believe that he is so jealous in this moment, but he's unwilling to admit it. 
that he projects it onto Katara and his pride won't let him have that self-awareness in him in his own personality. I also think in this moment that both of them realize that they are probably in the wrong but not more wrong than the other person is what yes, they think. Yes. And so neither one of them is willing to put out the olive branch because they are assuming the other person needs to do it first. But because of that, each of their... They keep elevating and it keeps like one-upping each other in crappiness. There's a wonderful, <laughs> so, wonderful... Like, if one of them yeah. would just apologize, this would be done and the other person would be like... There's a wonderful book I, yeah, by yeah. Harriet Lerner called why won't you apologize and it's exactly what that is it's one of the things that we have to be able to do in order to provide a quote-unquote true apology is we have to be able to admit our part of what's wrong Mm -hmm. and not expect the other person to admit theirs in order to give hey i am sorry for my part in this right and i think that they both have a part in this Mm -hmm. but because their perception is that the other person is more wrong is more wrong they are unwilling to bend <laughs> and instead to it potentially leads them to break so this is where you kind of get to that hubris pride of like yes I-, I am still better than you in this situation so you need to be the one who apologizes first to me and if one of them just would have you know taken the bullet first bit the bullet first like they would have been fine. They would have been fine. And we would have we would have ended this. And then that even gets elevated again later in the episode when Aang kind of walks into the the Katara's room and says, "I'm about to go swim with the Unagi. You want to come stop me, or you care about me?" And she's just like, "Nope." Well, he does it intentionally to try to get a rise well, out of and her. Then, yes, and at this point, he absolutely knows he's in the wrong, but he's trying to bait her into apologizing first or, and she knows that and, and so, so she's, she's like Mm-mm. she's doubling down yeah um and again if one of them could just stop it would be over it would be yeah. done um so we get a little bit of that but then we also get Sokka um after the whole jealous conversation Sokka goes back and at this point Sokka does something that is very unsokka like and apologizes to Suki like think about the like what immense humility this moment requires mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. and like after he's continuously <laughs> put these girls down he is finally able to say i'm sorry this is my fault i've been in the wrong to like to be able to do that is what a skill well and here's here's what also and ask and he asked for training he asked for help in learning what's going on and we get this moment that I think is really important is that Sokka is an okay warrior, but because of his belief of how good he is and his unwillingness to step back and say, I'm, I could be better, he is going to be stagnant about where he's at and he's going to lose a lot. Yeah. The moment that he is willing to step up and say, like, I'm not as good as I think I am in this and I can be better and I need your help is the moment there he legitimately becomes a better warrior mm. and fault plays more into the role that he personally wants to be in in the first place. Yep. And so how often do we do that as people where we're so unwilling to say that I need help or that I'm not good at this or that I can be better? And that is literally keeping us from being what we want to be, which is better. Um, if we want to be the best warrior, 
in whatever we're doing and we're not there yet, we should acknowledge that so that we can get there as opposed to pretending that we're there already. Well, I also think it's really important to emphasize and to realize that Suki could have said no here. And would have been... And would have been... been in the right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, but instead, she doesn't. She says, okay, like, I, we can do this. Like, she definitely makes him run run through the mill a little bit. Like, she has to follow all the traditions. But right. I think she's, like, really checking to see if his humility is, like, is he, like, really being humble here? Or is he just trying to get our secrets? Right? right? And I think he demonstrates that he has had a change of mind and change of thought here, right? And so they follow all the traditions, and he puts on the warrior guard, and Suki explains all the meaning behind it and why you have to be proud when you wear it and what it, you know why it's so important. And Sokka, for the first time, I think genuinely in, in, in a healthy way, has felt pride in himself. Because he is wearing this outfit that means so much. And someone believes in him enough to like allow him to be a part of that. And he is starting to belong. And he you can see it in himself. And he's excited and confident. And well, Aang com- swings in yep. with a comment and says, Nice dress with a little chuckle and moves on. Regardless of what Aang's intentions were, Sokka takes that as a jab. And I wonder how much more deflating it was coming from Aang versus coming from a stranger. And so how much more it hurt and how much more deflating it was because it was someone that was supposed to care about Sokka. And he does. But like that moment hurts so much more and cut so much deeper because of the relationship that they had. And how it went against yeah. what it was supposed to be. Well, I, th- I mean, that happens... I came across a term a long time ago that has stuck with me since then, but the term casual cruelty mm-hmm. of like, we say these things casually because we have these built friendships with people that we're close with. And so we justify them by saying like, oh no, it's cool, we're friends. Oh, I'm just poking, like, fun. We're poking fun. We can do it all the time. It's what our friendship is like. But those little things hurt so much. It's like, they're they're casual, but they're, they're cruel, Yeah. right? And I don't think Aang, like in this moment, has any idea about how cruel it is, right? I don't think Aang has any awareness. I think that like he knows that he's like doing something, but he doesn't realize how much of an effect it probably had on Sokka in that mm-hmm. moment. Because of how important that moment really was for him leading up to, to all of that. And then we don't know if Aang was saying, oh, that's no, it's a nice dress. Or if he was saying, poking fun because of the people around him and the social norms that are there. Well, and I wonder if that's, like, again, because Aang is clearly acting outside of his boundaries, mm-hmm. clearly acting outside of his values, yep. right? Is that, is he doing this and saying this because he's in this phase right now where his big shot attitude has, he has to continue to perpetuate this big shot feeling around the groupies that he's with so that they can continue to see him in a higher and higher light. And the higher you go, the harder you fall. Right. Right? And so this moment, Sokka was in a great place, not in as good of a place, but is still, you know, learning and training. Um, we get a cut to Aang telling Katara that he's going to go swim with the Unagi to impress these girls. Katara says she's not interested in being there for him. We cut back to Sokka, 
um, training with Suki, and he gets he gets a hit in. He gets a shot in, and, and we see Suki kind of taken aback because she wasn't expect she is the better warrior than Sokka, and she knows this, and so that hurts her a little mm -hmm. bit, her pride. But quickly, you know, jumps in and says, "Yep, you got a hit. Now let's let's see if you can do it again, and let's keep practicing." And again, I think that Suki easily could have blown up on Sokka in this moment, and she doesn't. Mm -mm. Right? I think that they are like to me. This seems like such an eggshell environment where clearly Suki has mastered her self control, and she is aware enough of her own self and her expectations of people to where Sokka's comments are clearly out of what she hopes and expects from people, but to the point where they don't affect her so much yeah. that she goes into Avatar state. Well, I also wonder, yeah, <laughs> and I wonder if that comes from a place of, again, it goes back to, she's got that pride in herself, she's got the mastery of a skill, she's got the confidence, she knows her own self-worth and value, and so knowing that someone bested her once is not going to be something that allows her to, to blow up and, and kind of fall into that prideful shame spiral yeah. um, that happens. And so the more control you have, the more self-worth you have, which is tough. It's tough to build that stuff up over yeah. time. And that that's, comes from the environment that you're in. That comes from the way people interact, you're, the way that you view your self-worth. If no one ever tells you it's there, then it's tough to build up. But she's got it. And because of that, it allows her to, to really um, avoid those that prideful fall um, that Aang seems so close to teetering on at this point. We cut to Aang. He's in the lake. Aang and the groupies. And the groupies are bored because the Unagi's not showing up. And they peace out. But at this point, Katara shows up, which is her extending the olive branch. Um, just by showing up and being there, Aang takes that as she does care, and he well, apologizes. Well, and she says, like, hey, I was worried about you. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, well, I'm going to come in, and we'll be fine. I was a big jerk. And she says, come on in, you big jerk. Which, uh, you know, was weird writing and it's all, to me. It, all that took, all that took was one of them. The, the You can't just wait for other people to make the first move. Like, you can't. You know you're wrong. It's okay to say you're wrong. And it, it is okay if they don't say that they were wrong back. Well, and thank goodness she comes because Katara sings, saves Aang from, from the Unagi. Unagi because the Unagi shows up, Aang gets caught on its whisker eyebrow thing and Unagi throws him and hits him right into the water. And Katara grabs him, water bends them to safety. Um, and yeah, thank God she showed up. And so we then we get the Fire Nation shows up. Well, and I think this is really important because... The Fire Nation shows up, and this chief, the chief of the village comes in and goes goes to the warriors of Kyoshi, which right now is just Suki and Sokka, mm -hmm. right? And he says, girls, we need your help. Come quickly. And, and Sokka's like, I'm not a whatever. Mm -hmm. And he drops it. I think at the beginning of that episode, Sokka would have been like, uh-uh. Uh, I want to be very clear that that's yeah. not the case. But he's like, uh, uh and then he drops it, yeah. and he lets go. And I think he's able to let go because of this journey that he's been on this episode. Mm -hmm. Well, and so here we get this moment where Fire Nation's fighting; they're blowing up things. I want, I want the Avatar. Blah blah blah. All these things going Where's on. Where's the Avatar? Where's the Avatar? Um, Katara tells Aang, "Like we gotta go. Like I know you want to help Kyoshi, but it is best for us to leave right now." Sokka and Suki are, are, are helping fight and, and the warriors are taking, you know, are fighting the Fire Nation and 
Sokka pulls off for this really weird half-assed apology that's well, like... Well, to him, again, if I, we assume the best, I think this he line... He thought he meant it as real, Is kind. Yes, for to him. him. Um, he goes, I'm sorry, when I first met you, I was treating you like a girl. I know I should have been treating you like a warrior. And before analyzing this, <laughs> before watching it through this lens, yeah, I was like, oh, Sokka! Yeah. I was like, oh, he's like, he's made progress. And then when I listened to it, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not, it's not like that, because that still insinuates, that comment itself is insinuating that one, that girls and warriors are, are separate. Yeah. Um, it's insinuating that his actions would have been okay had they, if he, if he was treating them like girls, his actions would have been justified and he would have been fine. Well, and just by, just by apologizing it almost, it it justifies his behavior prior to this mm -hmm. too. Like, and I think and Suki leaning in to kiss him, I think sends a message where, oh, as long as you make apologies, we're going to be okay. Yeah, which is not great. Which is not a great message to well, send. And we've even talked about it before that Sokka, just for like, yes, it is awesome that he made his. It is. The, he, he's apologizing. It is awesome that he came back and said, "Hey, I made a mistake, and I want you to train me." It is awesome that he was able to to be that humble. Um, through that process, it does not get him off the hook for the prior behaviors that he's shown. No, and it, it doesn't. If, and if he doesn't make those changes consistently throughout the future, then all of it's for nothing. And so this is not like, oh, he's off the hook now. And his comment still shows a giant gap. And I, I don't know if this is intentional or if it's legitimately because you've got a male writing team writing the show. And a male team doing this podcast yeah, which we want to highlight as yes. well and so like the male team that is writing the show i want i wonder if they're like yeah this is a really great line and a great moment that we've written for Sokka to say here and we're looking back on it years later and saying like ah oh, that that could have been better because <laughs> i wonder if their intention was no we still want to show that he's got work to do or if their intention was no we want it to be like well, this moment that, yeah like, and i think the most he's He's arrived. And again, the most generous assumption we can make is knowing Sokka continues to develop mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the series since we've watched it, we know that he's going to continue to develop. Yes. However, I think we just have to really be careful about excusing, like, Sokka's no longer, uh, you know, gender-normative misogynist. <laughs> right. Instead, he is, sure, he has made progress, but is he going to continue treating new and other women and girls differently because they are women and girls mm -hmm. or is this going to be a point that is a turning point for Where him he sees them as equals or is it just one data point and he still needs a lot of data to change his mind yep and so Sokka's got some work to do with this apology was not good <laughs> it was not a good apology um and so they even Suki tells him you gotta go get Aang get Katara y'all need to leave they start to leave, and then at this moment, Aang says, you know, Katara's like, you know, we did the right thing. I know this is hard. We did the right thing. And Aang goes, yeah, huh? And then he dives into the water. Well, and I, to me, my inner thought for Aang was, but it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. I still can do more. Yep. Right? And so he dives back into the water, harnesses the Unagi, and uses the Unagi to, to spray water on the village and put out all the fires that were, were there. And I think it's really weird. So for for me, I, are you kidding me? This the the village guy, you know, thank you, Avatar, as he puts out the village into puts water out. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's one of those things where I'm like, he's thanking Avatar in this moment, really? Like 
this whole village is completely ransacked, fire-ridden. It's going to take days, weeks to repair this village. Mm -hmm. And he's like, thank you, Avatar. Like, tell me, tell me about that. Well, are you saying that from a place of, like, is it the Avatar's fault that this happened in the first place? I mean, kind of. No, it is not the Avatar's fault that the Fire Nation showed up. Like, him being there does not create guilt for him. But I think a lot of people take situations like that and attribute it to... Yes. Would have attributed it to And so I would argue that the, you know, we are seeing a lot of gratefulness from the village leader... Because he's like, the town isn't as destroyed as it would have been had he not done that. Yep. Um, people could have been even more hurt in the process. And so he still, I mean, he still has that hope of, we can rebuild from this, but the Avatar yeah, like, well, helped us this out. Is, it's such a prime example of this guy truly seeing the best of Aang and realizing that just because Aang is who he is does not mean that his causing this comes from him it comes from the fire nation who are truly the bad guys how often do we attribute bad things happening to the wrong person because of the story we tell ourselves yeah, and, I, absolutely. and i think i like, i think there are a lot of people who see that in question like why did he say that mm -hmm. but instead i think if we look at it through this lens of him assuming the best he has taken pride in his village. He has so much pride in the Avatar. He knows that it wasn't the Avatar's fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I look... It's weird for me because I, I wonder... The Unagi almost kind of itself plays a metaphor for me that this episode of what kind of Aang was going through. At the very beginning of the episode, the first time we meet the Unagi and the second time we meet the Unagi, it's rough, it's dangerous, it's hurting others, it is hurting Aang... But once Aang came to grips with the best way to utilize the Unagi, it was a powerful tool to support others. And so I almost view that, is that what self-confidence and pride can be? Is that if, it, if, you, if you use the wrong way, it can be destructive, it can hurt other people, um, it can hurt ourselves. But the moment that we learn how to harness it similar to the way that Sokka did, similar to the way that Uncle Iroh does, that you can be confident and have pride in who you are and what you do, and that allows you to support other people in a better way um, because you can help guide them along the way or you can help be a support system for them. And so the I see the Unagi almost as a metaphor for all of that. Interesting. It's an interesting thought process. I might be way off, but that's, that's part of what I saw. Um, well, I think that's what's so cool. How many people, when they were watching this originally, were like, ooh, I bet the Unagi's a metaphor for pride. Yeah, right. Like, you know what I mean? And like, how cool is it that we get to, to analyze this through this layer and see completely new things? Yeah, so thanks to the Arc of E for letting us do that. Yeah, thank and, you, Arc of E. And the platform for that. Thanks, Noah, um, CEO of the Arc of E. But we will be right back and we will kind of wrap up. We've gone through water. We've gone through earth. We've gone through fire. That means... And today we are finally in, in our Avatar cycle of what we are going to do, how we are going to take away and implement this into our week. We are going to be on wind. So we will be back with that in just a moment. Alright, and we're back and we're going to wrap up the 
the episode, and I, I made a mistake. I said wind when we exited out of the last one. I meant air, but when we talk about elements, and we've done a lot of, there's elements trainings in the way that personality traits meet, and wind is one of those. And, and wind is air. And wind is air. And so we're, we're talking about air bending. We're in the air cycle of this today. And and so, Ben, what are what are the strengths of air? What are the strengths of wind and air that we uh, that see that really relate to personalities? I think it's really interesting because there's a lot of, things that come around when it comes to, to air and wind. There's, it's windy, it's flowing, there's gales, there's, it can be howling, it can be invisible, it's uplifting, it's whirling, it's motion oriented, it can be refreshing when you get a gentle breeze. And I think that it has the, like, I think of music, like with flutes, and so you need wind to power music uh, a lot of the time. And I think that, um, it brings on like all of the sense that comes on comes through air and I think that that's all really interesting um, like wind pollinates it keeps our life growing and flowing um, so it's really cool to think about all the things that wind can it's do super powerful and it's like hurricanes yeah and, and that's like, the when I think of the negative things or the negative connotations to what wind can provide it's it, it stirs up a lot of dirt and then can leave um, and with everything in kind of disarray. It's got a destructive power um, when it wants to have it. And, you know, that's how do we treat people like that. And, and, and so I want to figure out how do we move forward this week with the, with the lens of pride on how we can kind of work on ourselves moving forward before next episode what what do you want to do ben that really gets after air and and pride well, yeah when i think of air bending a lot of the times i think of like all the tricks and things that ang can do and all of the the air bending that he's able to do and he's able to fly and there's so much awesome stuff and you can take a lot of pride in that and i love how most of the time like ang is very healthfully pride in all the things that he can do Right, like most of the time, this mm-hmm. past episode, not was so much, but. not so much. But it wasn't because of his air bending. Like most of the time, through his air bending, most of the time, his air bending really gives him leverage and helps him be better. Right, and so I, I wonder what I need to do in order to analyze, like, because air is invisible like it's something that's all around us and is always there and i wonder like what are the things that are happening around me that i'm not aware of that i'm just that are just invisible to me that could be really powerful if i were able to harness them and so i think about the the pride what what are the things that i'm not taking pride in what are the things that i could really leverage in my life if i took pride in them and it would make me better and so i'm really just going to do a little bit of a self-analysis to help me with that yeah, I think for me, one of the I was really inspired by Suki this past episode and the confidence she has because of her skill mastery and the way that she was able to help others because of that. And when I think of wind, I think of how do we uplift and and guide other people. Um, I think of planes and how it yeah it just it, takes a gentle breeze to nudge us in the right direction. Exactly. And so, how can I use the skills that I know that I'm good at and be and I can be proud of. Um, to help support other people in a way that's genuine and, and loving. And so I think that that's, you know, I'm gonna take a look at that. Like, what are those skills that I can use similar to what you were saying, and then how do I use those to really help the people that are around me in ways that are meaningful to them? So how are you harnessing the air part of your personality 
when you're back at home? What are the things that you all are doing to really think about how you can, one, take that pride, whether it be the, the harmful pride that is within us, but also the pride that gives us strength? And how are you thinking about that through a lens of air and wind? Share that with us at the V on Twitter, at the V on Instagram, or you can send us an email, V at gmail.com. And tell us, what did this episode mean to you? Whether it was through a lens of responsibility or generosity or any of the ones we previously talked about or are going to be talking about later, what did this episode mean to you? What were things that inspired you about what was happening? And you can send us a voice memo, an email, a tweet. Um, we would love to be there uh, and to hear what you have to say. Thank you all so much. Again, I'm Alex Mayfield. And I am Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. And we'll be back next time. Thanks, y'all.